0: Spirit and Truth, John sixteen verses twelve through fifteen, says, "I have much more to say to you." Jesus was sharing with his disciples more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own; he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you of what is to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. Isn't it a great comfort as believers to know that we have the truth of God's Word to guide us and we have the help of the Holy Spirit to empower us to walk out the life that God has called us to. Amen. With the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, he, they, they, they combine to empower the Christian To live out the truth of God's word. I'm so thankful tonight that we serve a God who's never in conflict with himself. He's not conflicted. Come on. We see that spirit and truth are never in conflict. I'm going to say that again. Spirit and truth are never in conflict. The spirit and the truth are always in agreement. You know, the Apostle John, he recorded this moment in John chapter 16 when Jesus was teaching his disciples this very fact that spirit and truth are in agreement, they're never in conflict. And we see that, you know, Jesus said to them that, I want to reveal things to you. He says, but I can't reveal more to you than I've already given you at this moment. He said, because I can't give you more than you can bear. You know, sometimes people get really religious and they, and they say, well, the Lord won't put on you more than you can bear. But that doesn't mean just because, <laughs> you know, I, I've actually heard people say that. I must be really strong because the Lord's put a lot on me. I'm very, but that's not what it means. It means that the Lord isn't going to give you something that you're not prepared to handle some of the big things we're believing God for haven't come our way yet because we're not ready for how big it is Amen. right because God's not going to put something on you that's going to lead to your demotion he wants to give you something that's going to lead to your promotion right and so and so he's saying to his disciples that's a good word right there anyway he's just saying to his disciples that look I want to give you much more but right now you cannot bear more than what I have already given you. And the reason is this, because in John chapter 14, two chapters prior, Jesus tells his disciples, he said that when the Spirit comes, he is, he's with you right now, he said, but he's going to be in you. Come on, that's so exciting. He's with you, but he's going to be in you. And so for them to go to a deeper level of truth required not that the Spirit just be with them, for them to go to that deeper level of truth to know more of what Jesus wanted them to know, what they weren't ready for at the moment, the Holy Spirit had to be in them. Amen. Amen. And so what that actually means is that Jesus was really predicting the day of Pentecost before the day of Pentecost, right? He's saying, hey, you, you guys don't understand it now. You can't see it now. But right now the Spirit's with you, but come on, a day is coming soon where He's going to be in you, and when the Spirit is in you, then you're going to have a deeper understanding of the truth. So Jesus uh, explained that He could not share more with them at that time, but when the Spirit of truth came and resided on the inside of them, He would reveal and guide the truth, and He would guide them into the truth. So we see that the Holy Spirit would accomplish His role in guiding them into the truth and Jesus explained to them how he would do it. He said this is how he's going to lead and guide you into truth. He's not going to speak of his own authority but he's going to take of what is mine and he's going to give it to you. Praise God. Amen? You know, that's why when I mean, the Spirit says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Why? Because the Spirit leads us and he's led by what the Father and the Son... Come on, I say. Amen? So because, so he's he, he's, he's, being, uh, he's being directed by what is of the Father and what is of the Son that's given to him to give to us. And so as we follow his leading, he's giving straight from God to us. And we see that he said, I will take he'll take of what is mine and he will make it known to you. So the Spirit of truth takes the truth of God's word, the truth of Jesus, and he brings it into manifestation by leading and guiding us into truth. Now here's something that I love this fact. This is so wonderful. And 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 when Jesus began to introduce in John he began to introduce the Holy Spirit. Can you, everybody hear me? Yeah. All right. Everybody in the cheap seats back there. Come on. Make sure you hear me. <laughs> um, I, I Forgive me. Um, I threw myself off. I'm like, what are we talking about? Spirit and truth. Come on. Spirit and truth. Here, here's what I love. When Jesus began to introduce the Spirit to the disciples for the first time, I love the fact that he didn't get really spiritual and religious. He didn't call him the Holy Spirit, right? He didn't call him the Holy Spirit. He just called him the Spirit of truth. Isn't that awesome? He said he started talking about the Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Now, later they would know him as the Holy Spirit. But to first introduce them and begin to prepare them to receive the Spirit, he begins to use language. You know, our language is important. Part of being intentional about what you're doing is the language that you use. So Jesus is being intentional in his leadership and training of his disciples. He's preparing them to receive the Holy Spirit, but he refers to him as the Spirit of Truth. Why? Because he's dealing with men who come from a particular religious and cultural background. And they've been trained, and it's deep-rooted in their life. Their whole life has been rooted in this one way, and so in order for them to receive something like the power of the spirit is a huge leap for them to make. And so by Jesus was very shrewd and so by calling and referring to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth, what is he doing? He's starting to lay the groundwork of assurance to know that he's talking about the Spirit of Truth. That means when they have this manifestation and they experience the power of the Spirit in a real tangible way, they will not resist it from the, the, the religious part of them will not resist it because they've already been told, hey, he is the Spirit of Truth. Their, their, their religious uh, proclivity would make them say, this might be a spirit of deception. What is this? But by laying the groundwork in the beginning and and referring to him as the spirit of truth, he's setting the stage for them to welcome the spirit when he comes. Come on, amen? Amen. So you'll never go wrong with the Holy Ghost. Come on, amen? amen? You'll never go wrong with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's always the spirit of truth and he's not a spirit of deception. So... Um, we know that this assurance calls them to receive the Holy Spirit and not resist him. And in receiving the Spirit, what happened to the disciples? They discovered the deeper truths that Jesus wanted to share and spiritual insights and realities that came through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. And you know, from that day until today, the Holy Spirit has never failed He has proven time and again to be the spirit of truth. And truth and the spirit are never in conflict. He continually and actively leads and guides us. Aren't you glad you have the helper? You know, I mean, the Holy Spirit can help you in some of the most basic ways. Even when your common sense fails you, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, dude. This and not that. Just some of the basic things. You're like, oh, thank. And sometimes it's just those little impressions you feel. You're like, thank you, Holy Spirit. What would I do without my GPS? You know, the Holy Spirit who's always got me on point and He always keeps me. Come on, Amen. And so the ministry. (laughs) Here's what I love: the ministry of the Spirit and the truth of God's Word. What do they do? They combine to create a powerful force in the lives of God's people when we heed the Spirit's leading, right? I, I want to give you an example of Spirit and truth working together. You've heard this one, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. It says, But I, but but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, this passage you've heard preached a thousand times, right? Because, you know, Coming from the South, like Brother Scott and I do, there are certain things, there's a way of preaching, right? And uh, certain verses really sermonize well, you know, like, I has not seen. (laughs) Is it okay if I take you guys on a trip to the South real quick? I mean, you know, fried food's good anyway, you know what I'm saying? I has not seen, nor ear heard, (laughs) nor has it entered to the heart of man, Right? And, and what we see is, is that the Apostle Paul was quoting Isaiah 64 and 65, right? And so what Paul was saying was that at that time in Isaiah's time, I had not seen, come on somebody, yeah. ear had not heard, it had not entered into the heart of man, because the Spirit may have been with them in Isaiah's day, but you know where he wasn't? He wasn't in them, but in... Come on. But today, preachers still preach this like it's a reality when, if they just keep reading the next verse, Paul says, But, come on, somebody. Amen. God has revealed them to us by his Spirit who searches all things, even the deep things of God. So in Isaiah's day, even in the disciples' day before Jesus. Death, burial, resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit—I had not seen, nor ear heard, nor had it entered into the heart of man the good things God had prepared. But Jesus came. Come on, He died. He rose again. He poured out a spirit. The church was born, and with the spirit, truth and revelation came. Now I has the opportunity to see. The ear, has, you know, the heart has opportunity to understand what the ear hears. Because why? We have a Holy Spirit who's taking the deep things of God and he's revealing those things to us and he's bringing us into truth. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You know, we live in a time of great a deception, of universalism, that there's just many ways to God. There's many ways up the mountain to God. And, you know, a lot of people will think that they're just going to believe their own truth. Well, this is my truth. Well, I, you know, I love you guys and I don't want to offend anybody, but Jack, you don't have your own truth. Amen. None of us own our own truth. This is just... I want to encourage you as, 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 as believers in a church body, you're just not on your own spiritual journey. Come on, we're a body of Christ. We're Amen. on this journey of faith together. Amen. Amen? Amen? And at the same time, you don't have, you don't have uh, uh, your own truth either. There's only one truth, and that's the absolute truth of God's Word. Amen. Amen. And the reason why there's, well, well, let me just say this, in this idea of universalism where there's many ways to, to God, but we see that there's also, uh, in this deception, a greater truth, right? And the greater truth is the spirit and truth agree because there's only one spirit and there's only one truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. The reason why spirit and truth agree is because there's only one spirit, the Holy Spirit, Spirit, there's only one spirit of truth and there's only one truth and that truth is the God's word and the Holy Spirit of God comes from God. And so they work in tandem to lead and guide us into truth. There's no individual truth, but there is the absolute truth of God's word. And the spirit of truth will always point men and women to the truth of God. Amen. Amen. You know, an added benefit for us is that the spirit will lead us into God's truth regarding the future of our own lives. Now, you don't have access. you, you, You don't have the right to your own truth. This is my truth. You don't have that right. There's only one truth. It's the truth that God has already given us. All right. It's the truth of God. But you know what? There is a truth of God's will for your life. For your individual life. Amen. There is a truth. Now there is the standard. The truth of God's word is the standard by which we live. But for each one of us, there is there is God's truth for his your future. His will, his purpose for your life, and for your future. And so we've got to be led by the Spirit. We cannot be deceived by what we feel is the truth about our own future. We have to we have to be led by the Spirit about what is the truth regarding God's will for our future. You know, when people say, Pastor, I just feel, well then that's a code, the red flags go up. Why? Because, because truth isn't a feeling. Amen. I've got a feeling. <laughs> you know what, it's not a feeling, because you know what, sometimes you don't always feel God. Amen. But God's reality, whether or not you feel Him, right, He's still a reality. His power is still present even if you don't feel it, right? The anointing is still there even if you don't have goosebumps. Because we shouldn't reduce God down to just goosebumps. Amen? Amen? Is my mic on? Because I'm preaching better than you're sitting there. I mean, come on. (laughs) Praise God. It's about... It's not about what we feel about our future. We can't let our feelings deceive us because feelings aren't facts. They're just feelings. God's Word is facts. And the Holy Spirit will always lead us into those facts. Amen. Amen. So there is the truth of God's Word, but there's also the truth of His will for your life. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and leads us into uh, the future and leads us into what God's called us to do and be. 1 John 5, 6, John said, This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ not only by water but by water and blood and it's the spirit who bears witness because he is the spirit uh, because the spirit is truth notice this in John 16 the apostle John wrote he re- he recalled the moment when Jesus talked about the spirit of truth here he's writing in his epistle in 1 John he, ca- he says the spirit is truth right and so we see that that the, the spirit is the truth and he bears witness to the truth and so the scripture tells us that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, we are what? We're the sons and daughters of God. And one of the ways the Spirit leads us is by bearing witness uh, of, of, to the truth. So we know the Spirit will always bear witness to the truth about Jesus, but on a personal level, he'll also bear witness about the truth of God's will for our lives and our futures and about our next steps and about the direction as we were just in this whole two-year journey of what the future of our church would be would be. You know, we don't want to do anything that's just slick and trendy just to do something that's slick. Because slick is shallow. We want to be led by the Spirit. Amen? You don't want to just be slick for slick's sake. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He can help you be slick. Right? He can help you be wise and crafty. But it's always better when He leads you to do something then when it's just produced out of your own flesh. It's like it's slick, but it may be shallow. And you know what I'm saying? We, we want to be led by the Spirit in all that we do. So in order to navigate the seasons of our lives, we must be in tune to the witness of the Spirit in order to fulfill God's will. Are you guys being blessed tonight? Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you three things real quickly that we've got to be conscious of as believers as the Holy Spirit is leading us into the truth of God's will for our lives. And the number one one is that we have to to understand there are some witnesses that we have to uh, be aware of. Number one is the witness of others. You cannot let the witness of other people deceive you into thinking something is God's will when it may not be. What are we led by? We are led by the witness of the Spirit. What did John say? John said that the Spirit bears witness to the truth because He is truth. He bears witness to the truth because He is truth. So someone in your life is not the best witness. We were to receive godly counsel, but ultimately we need to have the witness of the Spirit in our lives. You know, one of the most frustrating times in life and in ministry is to be anointed for a season you're not in. Right? Right? You're anointed for a season you're not in. It's one of those seasons where you feel something big in your heart, but in your circumstances, it just looks like it's nowhere to be found. It's like nobody even knows who your name, you know? It's like <laughs> you're anointed, and only you and your mama know that you're anointed. I mean, you know? <laughs> And she only believes it because, you know, you're her baby. And she, you know, she just loves you. But it's like, that's a frustrating season in your life. You know, I've been there, you know, at various stages. You're like, I feel an anointing and a vision for something greater. But dang, man, I'm not even close to that, right? (laughs) You you know, we've all been there. And we see that happen in David's life where David's in the sheep field. Samuel comes to his house. You all know the story. And Samuel sees the first seven sons of Jesse. And God said, I've not chosen any of these. And they said, wait, we have the eighth one, but he's the youngest one, and he's in the sheep field. And Samuel said, uh, go and bring them. Bring him to me. Uh, I'm not gonna, we're not going to sit down. Notice this. No, this is awesome. He said, we're not going to sit down until you, you bring him. Now, I don't know if Samuel was as uh, a, a sharp and, and good, as good-looking as, as Brother Scott, but you know, <laughs> as, as an older man, because Samuel was nearing the end of his life at this point, You know, he wasn't going to stand there all afternoon. Right? I'm 43 and I just had a foot and Achilles surgery. I don't want to stand that long either, you know? And uh, I know it's shocking. I look 33. Thank you. I know. You don't have to say it. I get it. But he's like, we're not going to sit down until you bring him. You know, Samuel's not going to stand there all day. If David wasn't exactly where they put him, when they went to go get him he would have missed his moment Amen. if he had wandered off on the bethlehem hillside with his sheep from where his father put him they would have been a whole day searching to find him because there was no cell phone to text him and say hey samuel <laughs> they would have had to go looking for the guy and samuel would have left you know what we've got you cannot let your feelings and your distractions calls you to wander off from the place God puts you because when opportunity and favor comes your way you'll miss it because you were led away by something else they went right they knew where he was he was right where his dad left him they went straight to get him and they brought him back and Samuel anointed him but you know what happened in his life he was not put on the fast track to fame and to the throne he went right back to the same sheep field but the difference was he went back as an anointed shepherd. Right? He wasn't the same person. So as an anointed shepherd, the Holy Spirit begins to accelerate his gifts, his talents, his abilities. He, the lion comes, he kills the lion. A bear comes under the anointing, he kills the bear. And then in a, in a series of events, we find that he, he, he finds himself on the battlefield facing giant, facing Goliath. He defeats Goliath, becomes a national hero, and you would think that, I mean, he's probably thinking, this is my shot right here. I am going to be next to Saul. I'm going to be trained how to be a king. It's going to be great. Everybody knows my name. They're already seeing I've killed, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. But, you know, sometimes success brings out your enemies. You know, it's like success has a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan, right? But not only does everybody want to hook their, their, themselves to, the, to somebody's success train, but it also brings out a lot of enemies who don't want to see you succeed. And Saul didn't want to see David succeed. And so now David's thinking that he's going to catch a break. He's a national hero. This is really going to put him on track to being king. And yet all it did was putting him on track to being a fugitive from justice. He was like a fugitive running from the law. And he's spent years of his life in extreme frustration because... It's like the brother can't catch a break. Right? I know nobody's ever been there. Nobody's ever, ever felt like that. You know? I mean, my goodness. It's like, Lord, I, I, when, when can I catch a break? But you know what? If you'll just stay faithful to what God's called you to do, where he's called you to do it, Come on, your day is coming. Your opportunity is coming. Because there's a lot of growth process that's got to happen before you're prepared for those moments. And so we see that. You all know the story. He He's frustrated. Why? He's anointed. He has a vision. Everybody knows he's going to be the king. But now he's living like a fugitive from justice. But in the process of time, he gathers a band of men, about 400 men. You all know the story of the cave of Adullam and they're in debt depressed, discontented, all those things. He transforms them into David. They became known as David's mighty men. And they, they become like vigilantes. They, they're contracted to do battle and warfare for people. And so they're hiding out in the wilderness of Engedi. And we see that, and there's cave systems in the wilderness there. And Saul hears that David's in Engedi, So he goes in there with his army to try to find David. And again, you guys know the story, but it bears repeating. And I love the Bible because it's just real life. You know, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat. Sometimes it's rated R and more, and more than rated R, you know? I mean, it's, 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 the Lord just tells the truth. And so it seems like a, a some moment of fate, but it's really this God putting David in a situation that's very unique and interesting. In the very cave that David and his men are hiding in, in the very back, Saul chooses that cave to go in and relieve himself. Right? So while he's handling business, where I come from, we call it business. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Better handle your business. While he's handling his business, what happens? David's men start prophesying. They start prophesying to him. They're like, oh, look, David, there's Saul. God has put God has given him into your hand. All you got to do now is go and kill him and you can take the throne. And so David actually at first was, was, was motivated. These guys meant well, they, they were good intention. They, they believed in David. They wanted to see him be what God had called him to be. They had seen his frustration and all of their, they, they, but they couldn't relieve the frustration. They couldn't, they're not God. They couldn't create a scenario where he can be king, but they do want to help him. And so they see this, and the natural inclination is to say, hey, David, this must be God. God's giving Saul into your hand. And David cuts the edge of his garment. And even at that, the Bible says that God, that his heart was pricked, and David, he repented, and he said that he would not touch God's anointed. You know, it's interesting that we see... Um. <laughs> that this was not a gift from God, it was a test from God. Amen. I didn't read the scripture, but for time's sake, it's 1 Samuel 24, 3-7, through 7, but you all know the story. But we see that the, his men were saying, this is a gift from God. But it wasn't a gift from God, it was a test from God. And what is the test? The test is this, can you wait longer in the circumstances you're in to have it God's way? Or are you going to take matters into your own hands and try to have it your way? Right? You are going to take matters into your own hands and try to make it your way, have it your way, or would you will? Or, or, or can you can you wait a little longer? Can you trust God that He's going to work it out and have it His way? And David came to his senses and realized, you know what? They were voices of of wit- they, they were a witness but they were not the witness of the Spirit Amen. because he was moved by what they say, what, what, by what they said. So he actually approached Saul in a way that he could have killed Saul. But just in cutting the corner of his cloak, the Spirit had another witness. Amen. The spirit said, come on, those guys aren't prophesying to you, they're prophelying to you. Yeah. And he yeah. repented, right? Yeah. Come on. I want to encourage you, people who love you, And even people who mean well, who want to see you succeed, that doesn't mean that they don't miss it. Sometimes because they love you, they're biased about things and they become a false witness unintentionally. We have to be led by the Spirit. It will always lead you into the truth. So you have to guard against. You know, seasons of frustration are difficult and we can be easily influenced by the witness of those around us in seasons of frustration. Why? Because our flesh is looking for something to act upon. You know when you're frustrated? There's only two of us that know about that. But all of you other spiritual people, you pray you just we're just going to tell you what it's like, okay? Well, you know when you're frustrated and you need something to happen in your life and you're just like you, that's when you got to be careful. That's You can be easily led by your flesh. And somebody can say one thing and it seems good to you. Like, well, that must be God. Let's go with it. And it's a, a, it's a witness of a person, but that doesn't mean it's the witness of the Spirit because people can miss it, but the Holy Spirit has never once missed it. Amen. He'll always lead you into truth, so you've got to be very careful. So you've got you to understand, one of the ways to be led by the Spirit is that when you're in a moment or a season of frustration... Be on guard. That's when you're vulnerable to false witnesses. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Number two uh, is the witness of our own desires. You cannot be led by the witness of your desire. Another deceptive witness is our own flesh, our own desires, our own passions. You know, misplaced passion and untempered zeal has led many people astray. You know, it's led many ministers astray. There have been ministers that have wrecked their ministries Because they were zealous for the Lord and for the ministry, but their zeal led them in the wrong direction. It wasn't that they intentionally were trying to fail. They actually meant well, but it's just the zeal without some tempering and some wisdom. It led them in a wrong direction. When God was wanting them to go another direction and we see a great example of this in the ministry of the Apostle Paul We know it as the Macedonian call, but it's the events that led up to the Macedonian call that are of interest I I, I do want to read this Acts chapter 16 verses 6 through 10. It says now when Acts chapter 16 verses 6 through 10 It says now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia now that's Asia Minor, which would have been the modern day Tur- nation of Turkey, uh, not, not Asia as we would refer to it today. And so, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Notice that. The Spirit is always, the, he always leads and guides you into what? The truth. the truth. So, when he's not permitting you to do something, that needs to be a red flag. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, passing by Mysia, they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I have always loved the Apostle Paul. And one of the reasons is that Paul's revelation, you know, God gave the revelation of the gospel to Paul, not to Peter, James, and John. I mean, it's, it's just amazing the impact and the shaping of the New Testament church that, that this one man in his ministry uh, has, has done. It's just amazing. But the other thing about Paul that I love is just just a straight passion. This man is a, is a man of zeal. When he was working on behalf of the Sanhedrin, he was persecuting Christians with zeal. Amen. He was throwing them in prison with zeal. He was there to help Stone Stephen with zeal. Yeah, he did everything. He was blessed God, he was on his way to Damascus with zeal. But then he met the risen Lord. Amen. And three days. He couldn't see, but what was God giving him in those three days? Eyes to see and a heart to understand. Come on somebody. Amen. And all he needed then was the Holy Spirit. Ananias comes to him and lays hands on him and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now this dude is locked and loaded and dangerous because the same zeal that he used to persecute the church is now the same zeal that he wants to build the church, right? Amen. And so what, what a weapon he became for the Lord. Now, Paul was the kind of guy that if he had something on his radar screen, that was it. He's just going to do it. That's the, the way he's wired. I mean, Paul's the kind of guy, if other people fall by the wayside, you just step over their body and you keep going. I mean, that's the kind of guy Paul, was. he was just zealous. I mean, he was just a warrior. And if he had something that he felt God called him to do, he was going to stop at nothing to do it. And so Paul is a legend, right? He's a a hero of the faith. But he's not prone to making, you know, to being right all... uh, let me say that he's a legend of the faith, but that doesn't mean he's not prone to mistakes, right? He, he, he made mistakes, right? And so one of the mistakes is that he had in his heart, he felt he was supposed to go and preach in Asia Minor. So he, the Bible tells us all these places he tried to go and preach, but at every stop, what happened? The Spirit forbid him, and the Spirit was closing the doors to him. You know, zeal and passion are key ingredients for success in any endeavor. And one of the things that I, I, I do know and I believe is that God loves a zealot. God loves a zealot. God, I know God loves everybody, right? And he does. But there's something about the heart of a zealot that God well, I mean, really loves. Because Jesus was a zealot.
1: He, he,
0: you know, David, when he said, zeal for God's house has consumed me. God loves a zealot. And there was something about the zeal of Paul that God said, I can use that isn't it amazing that Peter, James, and John, they spent all a decade after Pentecost not ministering to Gentiles because of their own prejudice. They were forcing people to become Jewish in order to be saved. And so what does God do in a stroke of genius? He said, all right, you're not going to reach the Gentiles. I'm going to use the guy that's persecuting you to go and do what I told you to do. Only God can do that, right? So Paul's just as Alice. But you know, thing that makes you successful in one season and be the thing that leads to your downfall in another season. Right? That's why we've got to always be led by the Spirit. A deep desire... Please, please get this. I'm going to say this twice. You can say amen and write it down and get it in your heart. This is so good. A deep desire to do something for the Lord is different from the leading of the Lord to do what He's called us to do. Amen. A deep desire to do something for the Lord is is different from the leading of the Lord to do what He's called us to do, right? You can have a zeal to do something for God, but if that is not what God's called you to do, you know, all you've done is failed. You've got to do what He's called you to do. Let the Holy Spirit use that zeal, but understand my zeal has to be tempered with wisdom because I need the leading of the Holy Spirit. And once I have it, then I can unleash the zeal to do it. Amen? Amen? We can be passionate about something that God hasn't called us to. We can be passionate about something that seems right, but God hasn't called us to. it. You know, you can be passionate. That's why I don't always believe when people say, if you want to know God's call in your life, what is your passion? Uh, That's not all the way true. The reason why is because you can be passionate about something you're not gifted for. You know, American Idol just came to Mobile this weekend while I've been here in New York. Uh, And they're doing, the contestants, you know, they're they're seeing who can sing. But you ever seen those,
1: those?
0: (laughs) First of all, when everybody gets up and is going to say, I'm going to sing a song from Whitney Houston, all right, (laughs) it's going to be an epic fail. You know what I'm saying? You can't sing it like Whitney Houston, because all you're thinking in your mind is Whitney Houston, right? And so, but I always wonder, is like, whose mother doesn't love them enough to tell them, baby, you can't sing. Just don't embarrass me or your family on national TV because you can't sing. But they love music. I love music. You can be passionate about it, but you ain't gifted for it. Is it okay if I say ain't in New York? You're not gifted for it. And you know what? The same is true in life. You can be passionate about something God hasn't gifted you for or called you to do and you end up suffering a shipwreck when you could have had a promotion because you were led by your own desire instead of led by the spirit of truth so zeal and passion are key ingredients but they have to be under the leading of the spirit and so um, we see that (laughs) to discern the difference between our desires and the witness of the holy spirit is critical. Because the downside of zeal is that it can fool you into thinking that it's the anointing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Right? Zeal can mask itself as the anointing of the Spirit. Because when a person has zeal and passion for something, it becomes the fuel that burns within them. And this energy and emotion, you know, it, 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 it can be mistaken for the anointing of, I feel God in this place. You could just be feeling yourself. <laughs> Come on, church, I feel God. You so bully yourself, you, I don't think you'd know how to feel God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we've all been there, right? It's like, because, uh, you know, Elijah saw the fire and the wind, but God wasn't in it. He was in that still, small voice. Right? It's not, that doesn't mean that we don't feel God. You, you know what I'm saying. You guys understand what I'm saying. I'm just making the point that the thing about zeal is that God loves it. He can touch it and anoint it, but it's got to be directed, or it can lead to disaster, because people can actually mistake the zeal for the anointing, and that justifies the wrong action, right? And so, we, I just pray that wisdom will bless you today. And so, what we've got to realize is that the Spirit will always lead us into truth, even when it's in an unconventional way. I'm going to say it again. A Holy Spirit will always lead you into truth, even when it seems unconventional, here we see Paul is zealous to go preach in Asia Minor, but God's like, Jack, I haven't called you to preach in Asia Minor. But God could not speak that to Paul because Paul's passion and zeal was overriding the voice of God. So he goes to Troas, and he goes to all these places, And but, but here's the thing I love about God. He has a way of leading us. He doesn't just to, keep, to help protect us, right? He doesn't just like, well, I'm just going to let him fall. God has... He has ways of helping us in those moments. And so God started closing doors. And here's the thing I love about Paul. Here's where he showed his greatness. He did not allow his passion and zeal for the Lord to override his wisdom to the point that he, could, that he couldn't recognize a closed door when he saw one. Right? And sometimes the Spirit of God will lead you through a series of closed doors. It's for the purpose of getting you to the one door that God's called you to. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen? Now, I know we're people of faith. Come on, somebody. Amen. Right? Aren't we? Yes. So just walk by faith, right? We don't live by by sight. We, we're, we're walking by faith. But we also have to walk with wisdom in our faith.
1: Amen.
0: Got to be wise. And so, you know, we see that God, we, we think of God as the great door opener, but He's also the great door closer. Yes. Because oftentimes you have to God has to close a series of doors to get us to the right open door. Amen. And as you have already seen in my presentation, I'm a simple brother from Alabama, right? I don't need too many open doors. I don't need that many options, you know. I mean, I, I, that's too much for me to figure out. And so what I always pray is like, Lord, close every wrong door and open up the one right door. Amen. Because I just figure I can I can do one door. You know what I'm saying? I can walk through the one door. So, Lord, close every wrong door. And that's a leading of the Spirit. He's closing doors to prevent you from going that way. And, and you know, we've got to be careful as people of faith that when we come to a closed door, I don't receive that. I don't receive it. Mm-mm. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I do not receive this. I speak to that mountain. And you know what the Holy Spirit is? He's like, look, I don't care what you don't receive. I'm trying to get you over here where God's called you to be, where you can flourish. So whether or not you receive that closed door, it doesn't matter. You need to have the wisdom to walk away. Amen. Right? How foolish is it for us to spend years Speaking to a closed door that the Holy Spirit closed a long time ago. When He's trying to lead us, like, like, go that way, right? Come on. Even for the great apostle Paul. But you know what I love? When they came, when they came to Troas, he 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 laid down, went to sleep in a dream. A Macedonian call came, and in his zeal, what did he do? Next day, he's gone to Macedonia. And notice that Macedonia is in the opposite direction of where Asia Minor is. But what happened was the Philippian church was born and they became the single greatest partner Paul would ever have. Philippians, the book of Philippians is simply a partner's letter saying, you sent aid to me time and again. Only you have communicated with me. Come on, I feel God in He said, only you have communicated with me in giving and receiving. He said, and because you've given so to meet the need of the ministry, my God's going to supply all your need. You know, if he had stood at those closed doors and said, I rebuke this closed door, I command it. I mean, that's foolishness, right? The Holy Spirit's like, look, it's closed and it ain't
1: opening.
0: (laughs) It's closed. Closed for business. If he had not had the wisdom to realize, you know what, God's leading me. But in this season, he's leading me in an unconventional way. Right. He's leading me through a series of closed doors to get me to the right door. And man, did that door pay off in spades for the Apostle Paul and the future of his ministry. Amen? Amen? We cannot allow the witness of our own desires lead us in the opposite direction of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I'm closing. I told him I was going to do it in 45 minutes, and I'm, I, I'm like, you got number three. I, 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 I'm only 15 minutes in. <laughs> so for the next 30 minutes. Now, number 3 is the witness of the spirit. That's the witness that we need. We need the witness. Not the witness of others. Cuz sometimes people, even they love us, they can still prophesy on accident. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You guys know prophesying. Yeah. Right? And the witness of our own desires and flesh, we already know can get us into trouble. It has to be the witness of the Spirit that leads us. And so the witness of the Spirit will always reveal truth and will always lead us into the truth. And I want to I go to a man real quickly as we close that you don't often hear about in Scripture or maybe you might hear at Christmas time. but those passages are uh, what are traditionally called the Christmas story. They're so powerful. There's so many lessons in them. And let's talk real quickly about Simeon. You know when Mary and Joseph encountered Simeon in the temple, remember that story? I want to read it to you real quickly Luke chapter two this is twenty five through thirty two Are you guys being blessed? Yeah. Amen. Amen, It was worth coming on a Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go uh Thursday yeah. sorry my our midweek is Wednesday. I apologize that's just all right um, we had church Wednesday night too. I don't know where you guys were at you know we were saying <laughs> I was wondering why nobody came to you know. He said, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Notice this. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is with you, but he's going to be in you. right? But here we see that the Spirit was on Simeon, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit to the temple. Notice that he came by the, he came by the what? Spirit. Spirit. He came by the Spirit. So the Spirit reveals. Now the Spirit is leading based upon the revelation. You guys getting it? Amen. Into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Come on. No eye has seen, no ear heard, right? But if you'll hold on, your eye will see. Amen? But it's by the leading of the Spirit. He said, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So Simeon was an older man who walked closely with the Lord, and we see that, the, that actually his name, Simeon, in Hebrew means hearing. Isn't that interesting? It means hearing. And so here we see the man named Hearing, he He hears from the Spirit he had a desire to see the consolation or the salvation of Israel. And so the Lord reveals to him, the Holy Spirit reveals to him that, you know what, you're not going to die until you see the Savior born. And so Simeon had this desire and God fulfilled it. Now, according to Old Testament law, a a, a male baby had to be brought to the temple on the eighth day in order to be circumcised and to receive his name, And so we we know that Mary and Joseph were faithful to the Lord. I I love that, you know, in church, one of the things that we always tell people when we do baby dedications is that it's not the fact that we're just dedicating a baby. You come down and we pray and have a word and you give a certificate because we can do that, but that doesn't mean the baby's dedicated. The baby is dedicated because of a dedicated family. Right? It's a product of a dedicated family. If mom and dad aren't dedicated, then it's it's just a ceremony. But if they're dedicated, then man, that baby can't help but be dedicated. And so we see Jesus comes from that kind of family. Like Hannah and Elkanah, they brought Samuel. Same kind of spirit, Joseph and Mary. They had a heart for God. And that was what God's law was. They were living according to the law and the customs. So they said, hey, eighth day, he's in the temple. And they're bringing bringing him there to be circumcised and to be given his name that Gabriel told Mary to name the child. And we see that... Simeon was led that day to the temple by the Spirit. The same exact day. Isn't it amazing when you're led by the Spirit, he'll always leads you into, into divine connections, in those moments of favor that are not fate. Come on. And they're not circumstance. And they're not a koinky-dink. Right? It's the leading. That's why I expect to be blessed. I'll walk with a little swagger, right? (laughs) Since I had my surgery, I've been doing a lot of... uh, It's my gangster lean. You know what I'm saying? But it's been more of a painful lean. But you just got to play it off. (laughs) you know. But that's what's so great about being led by the Spirit. If you're Paul, hey, it's closed doors, but it's okay. An open door's coming. If you're Simeon, hold on. Just be faithful. Be led by the Spirit you'll see what I revealed to you. You're going to see it in the natural, right? And so he's led by the Spirit. The Spirit that day said, get up right now and go to the temple. So he gets up, he goes to the temple, and lo and behold, it's the exact same day that Mary and Joseph are walking in. I mean, it's like they're coming in, and they, and immediately when Simeon sees Mary and Joseph with that baby, the Spirit's like, the, or eyes, are looking at God's salvation. Mm-hmm. And he runs over and just takes the baby from Mary's arms. You know, you're thinking, fool? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you think you are. You know, He grabs the baby up and he begins to prophesy. I mean, it's just an amazing. I wonder what Mary and Joseph, they're mi- wrapping their mind around that. There's a strange man just comes into the temple and just snatches the child. But then their first instinct is to give me my my kid back, but then they hear him prophesying. It had to be an amazing moment, you know? And, and he says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. And so I, I want to encourage you that we must have an ear to hear the Spirit when he speaks truth and revelation. Amen. We must also be sensitive to his leading after the revelation in order for us to be led to the right place in time of his manifestation. Because revelation always precedes manifestation. Why does the just walk by faith and not by sight? Because we believe God's word to be true in spite of what we see or don't see in the natural. But if we will walk by faith based upon what we know is true, the day will come where we will see it Amen. manifested in the natural. Amen. It's not that you're just always living based upon what's invisible is that you're living based upon what's the truth. And as you walk by faith, the Spirit is able to lead you into that truth so you will see physically what your eyes understand and see by the Spirit. Come on. Same is true for... Amen, Pastor Brad. That is so (laughs) good. (laughs) Preach that. So Simeon, what is it? By the Spirit, he gets the revelation. Mm -hmm. And by the Spirit... He's led right into the manifestation. Right? Now, the witness of your flesh will never lead you into the manifestation. You may have the revelation, but if you're, it's, between the, it's between the revelation and the manifestation that you can lose it. You know, you know what's in between God's promise and your blessing? You really want to hear this? I hope you'll invite me back. The, what's between God's promise and your blessing is your responsibility. It is true. In between God's promise and your blessing is your responsibility. I got to walk this thing out. I got to walk by faith. I got to trust Him. I got to believe Him. I can't go on the witness of what other people say. I can't go on the witness of what my flesh and my desires are telling me right now. Even if they're good intentions, that's not good enough, right? That doesn't mean they're they're truth. They're the right intentions, or it's what the Spirit wants. I have to be led by the witness of the Spirit. I cannot be led by anything else. So between the promise and the blessing must be the walk, trusting God, living it by faith, and letting the witness of the Spirit guide you to the manifestation, amen? Amen. And so the witness of the Spirit results in revelation, leading, and here's what I love, preservation, and manifestation, I'm gonna say that again. The witness of the Spirit results in revelation and leading and preservation and manifestation. Why? Because in between the revelation and the manifestation is time. And God will preserve and keep you so that you can live to see the things that He's put in your heart. Amen. 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 Simeon. God kept him. God said, look, you're not going to perish from this. You're not going to pass from this life until you see the salvation of God. And that's what he said, Lord, my eyes have seen. Now I can depart in peace. You have kept me alive to see the manifestation of what you revealed to me long ago. And so tonight, I just pray that as we are in and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that whatever the Holy Spirit reveals, you know, by God's Word and by His leading, that we'll be faithful to it, and that God, the keeping grace of God will be there. Now, I, I thank God for the wonder. isn't God awesome the way he can bring people out of some of the most difficult circumstances, turn their lives around, like Paul. I mean, he's killing Christians, and he becomes the great apostle to the Gentile world. He's, he, he causes the church to just proliferate. Uh, thank God for those stories of how God took people out of a life of crime and saved them, and You know, those great testimonies. It'll pack out of church, you know. But hey, I I thank God for the keeping grace of God that keeps me from those things. What about that testimony? It's like, you know, I grew up in church. Never left church. Never left God. Still serving God. That's a great testimony. It's the keeping grace. One of the things we declare over our children at church all the time, hey, we declare and believe that you're never going to return to God because you're never going to leave God. Amen. 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 But, that, but there's the prodigal son model. Mm-hmm. And we're calling the prodigals home as well. Because God wants to bring them out of those situations. And so I, I want to encourage you today that the keeping grace of God is just as powerful as the saving grace. Or the delivering power out of a bad situation. Amen. Right? You know, you don't have to let yourself deteriorate mm-hmm. and fall into those pits and traps. Where now you need the miracle to bring you out, God can. God has the power to keep you. It's the keeping grace of God to keep you and preserve you to live to see the manifestation of what God has called you to do. You just got to persevere and be faithful. That's one of the things I love about Apostle Price and Doctor Betty Price. I mean, my gosh, they're they're still, you know, they're still going. I have a picture. As a matter of fact, I have a picture. I didn't tell you this, uh, Brother Scott. That time I preached back in two thousand seventeen, uh, you were there that Sunday. You know, I have a picture. Apostle's got he was sitting. We had a picture after the service. He had his two thumbs up. I I showed it to my congregation. I was like, I got two thumbs up from Apostle. Uh, (laughs) I was like, I don't care what else happens in my life. Career made right there. I got two thumbs up from Apostle. I was like, come on, done. That's it. I was like, yes. But you know, but look, they've been faithful, right? And and look, look at them now. I mean, God preserves the faithful, brother Scott. Faithful man, look at look at at eighty man. I'm like this guy is a stud.
1: Speak the truth, brother. I am. I am speaking,
0: and that and that ain't a prophet lie. But there is a keeping grace, and I just I just came from Alabama to New York to tell you that hey, hold on, be faithful what God revealed to you, you're going to live to see if you'll not lose heart. right? You're going to live to see it. Just don't lose heart. Don't lose focus. Don't lose your faith. Don't let frustration cause you to respond to the witness of a false voice. Don't let your own desires cause you to derail the path God has you on. Just stay faithful. Stay planted where you are and God will preserve and keep you and the Holy Spirit will lead you And your eyes will see the manifestation of what it is the Holy Spirit revealed to you. Amen? Amen. Can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Praise God.